afternoon, everybody. It is great to be here. Thank you very much uh, for the invitation. Um, I am not used to starting church at 12 o'clock. I've got to be honest with you, I am absolutely starving. Um, so this will not be a long sermon. I know some of you, some of you know me. Um, I know many of you have no idea who I am. So as Philip already said, I'm, I'm Peter Burke. I'm the associate minister in Westkirk, and I'm involved in this church planting work called Grace and Hope down at Carlisle Circus um, in, in Belfast. I'm married. Um, I've been married for nearly 13 years. I know I don't look old enough. I was not a child groom. Um, 13 years next month. Anybody knows what you're meant to buy for 13th wedding anniversary? You can tell me on the way out. I have three boys um, as well, 11, 9, and 4, uh, who they've had enough church for one day, um, so they're not with me. They're not with me this morning, but it's great to be here. Um, as I said, I'm involved in this church planting work, which is really closely associated with the International Meeting Point, and I know that the PW have been raising money for the International Meeting Point um, kitchen in North Belfast. I do not work directly for the International Meeting Point but I work very closely with them, and we are very, very thankful uh, for the funds that have been raised for a new kitchen, because believe me, it is very much needed, and we are very excited about it um, beginning to be installed in the next uh, couple of weeks, or next few weeks anyway, all being well. So thank you very much. And we'll talk a little bit more in a minute or two about International Meeting Point, Grace and Hope and Church Pumping, and all of that. But first, we want to come to God's word because it is the most important thing and we want to spend some time in God's word. Let me pray with us and for us as we, as we come to God's word um, this afternoon. Let's, let's pray. Father, we are so thankful to you for your word. We are thankful that you have made yourself known to us in the scriptures. Father, we thank you that in, it, in, in the Bible that we learn about Jesus. Father, we thank you for his compassion towards us, us who who are lost and in desperate need of a Savior. Father, as we spend some time in your word this morning, Father, be with us by your Spirit. Teach us from it this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know what your Friday morning looks like. I've got to say, my Friday mornings are pretty good. Ministers, pastors, whatever you want to call us, we can complain a lot. We're very good at complaining, actually, about all the work that we have to do, right, and how busy we are, right? But me, Friday mornings are fantastic. You'll not find me complaining on a Friday morning, because usually on a Friday morning, I go to a coffee shop, and I finish preparing my sermon for Sunday. That's not a bad way to spend a Friday morning, is it? I sit there in the coffee shop with a nice cup of coffee. Usually, I give them a sausage roll as well, and I enjoy myself as I put the finishing touches or start the sermon for Sunday, however the week has panned out. And as I sit there on a, on a Friday morning, I often see crowds of people walking past. I like to sit in the same place every time, in the window of this coffee shop in central Belfast. And there are crowds of people going to work. And as you watch them going to work, you begin to think, I wonder, I wonder what these people are up to. I wonder what they work at. I wonder what their backstory is. Where have they come from this morning? Did they always live in Belfast or are they new to the city? Who are they? Where are they going? What on earth is going on 
with them. And recently, as I watched the crowds of people going past the coffee shop, I began to think about this passage. Or maybe I was already thinking about this passage, and that then got me thinking about the crowds of people. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Jesus saw great crowds of people, loads of people, coming to hear him speak. And how did he view these great crowds of people? Well, he viewed them with compassion, didn't he? That's what we we just read a moment or two ago in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Seeing the crowds, he viewed them with compassion. And why did he view them with compassion? Because he saw them as they are, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's what I want to spend a little bit of time this afternoon thinking about, thinking about this passage, thinking about Jesus viewing these crowds of people with great compassion. And I want us to see, us who have started to follow Jesus, I want us to see that this is a call to us to go and to share the good news of Jesus with people around us with compassion, with compassion. This passage, it happens, doesn't it, relatively early in Jesus' ministry. He is going around the place and he is teaching people about the kingdom of God and he is healing people. The Pharisees, that religious elite, they're not sure what to make of Jesus at this stage. They're looking at him. They think, oh, he's got some interesting things to say. He certainly seems to be popular with the crowds, but we're not sure about him. He doesn't match up to our anticipation of what a Messiah would be like. But on the whole, at this point in his ministry, Jesus is really popular. People love coming to hear Jesus. He's going all around the Galilean countryside. He's going into the synagogues, those religious hubs. He's teaching people. And then he's doing these miracles. He's healing every type of disease in order to back up his teaching. And as he goes, he always proclaims the good news. And that leads us to a question, doesn't it? What is the good news that Jesus is always declaring, always preaching wherever he goes? Well, Jesus himself has already told us what the good news is. Way back in chapter 4 and verse 17, he has said this as he has started out on his ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That is always Jesus's message. He's only got one song, if you like, and he sings it everywhere he goes. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. What does the word repent mean? Well, I'm sure that all of us know what the word repent means. It means to turn around, doesn't it? It means to turn around, to turn away from sin and to turn to Jesus And just as that was Jesus' message 2,000 years ago when he was here on earth, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, that is still our message today. The message hasn't changed. Oh, hello. The message hasn't changed. Always the same. 
Repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus. Now, just as most of you don't know me, I don't know most of you. And I don't know, I don't know where you stand before Jesus. I don't know if you have repented and believed the good news. If you have said, I am a sinner and I need a saviour. I don't know if you've done that or not. So I'm going to say this morning or this afternoon, if you haven't done that, do that. Turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus. Confess I am messed up. I have sinned. I have turned my back on you. I deserve your justice. I deserve your punishment. Lord, save me. I repent and put your trust in him. Start to follow Jesus. For those of us who follow Jesus, this is our message. And we'll think in a moment or two about how we go about sharing that message with other people. So, as Jesus is going around teaching and healing, great crowds of people are flocking to see him. And as he sees all of these people coming to hear him and, and see his miracles, the verse tells us, doesn't it, that he views the people with compassion. I want us to think about that for a moment or two, viewing people with compassion. Here they are, these great floods of people vast crowds of people coming to see him. And he has this compassion. What is compassion? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a concern, isn't it? It's a deep care for people. And why does Jesus have this compassion, this deep care, this concern for people? Because he sees them as they really are. He sees past the outward facade. He sees past the outward appearance. He sees past the hairstyle, the skin color, and the clothes. And he sees people as they really are. And what are they? Harassed and helpless and in need of a shepherd. The sheep, or the people, the crowd rather, are just like lost sheep. They are in great danger. And all of us, all of us start life in great danger. We might not feel like that. We might not even be aware of that. But all of us start life in great danger. We all start as rebels against God. God has created us and said, go my way. I have created you to love me, to enjoy me, to be with me. Go my way. And each and every one of us have said, thanks, but no thanks. I know we were made for you, but I would rather do it my own way. I know we were made to worship you as God, but I'd rather worship myself. And we have all rebelled and turned our backs on God. And as a result, all of us are in great danger. Because all of us deserve his punishment, his justice, his wrath, as we sometimes say in church. We're under his judgment. We're in great danger. 
and there is nothing we can do about it. We can't rescue ourselves. Terrible news. But then the good news, isn't it? Jesus has come to rescue his people. He has come to live that perfect life of obedience to God that we could never live. He has come and he has died on the cross, taking the punishment that all who believe in him deserve. And he has risen again so that we can have life with him right now and then forever as well. He sees the crowd as they are in lost or as lost and in desperate need of a savior, harassed and helpless. Whenever we start to follow Jesus, we go from a position, don't we, of helplessness to hopefulness. We move, don't we? We are saved. We are brought into his family, into his kingdom. We become one of his people. And as we start to follow Jesus, we ought to become more and more like him. That's what's to happen, isn't it? In the Christian life, we become more like Jesus. We sometimes call that sanctification. We give it a fancy word, don't we? Becoming more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, we are meant to see people as Jesus sees people. We are meant to increasingly see people with compassion. To see them as they really are. As harassed and helpless and in need of a good shepherd. That's not easy. Sure it's not. It's not easy to view people with compassion. We jump to conclusions all the time, don't we? Jump to conclusions. We look at what somebody is wearing and we make decisions about their background and their attitudes to life. We hear the language that somebody is using or we even hear their accent and we jump to conclusions, don't we? educational ability about their role in society we put people into these boxes that we have constructed that make us feel comfortable but Jesus calls us as we grow to be more like him to not jump to these judgments about people but rather to view people as he does with compassion with compassion so how how do we do that how do we start to view people with compassion well it starts by preaching the good news of the gospel to ourselves doesn't it starts by saying i was lost but jesus found me I was in desperate danger, but he rescued me. I was spiritually dead, but he has made me alive. Without him, I would be in the same position as everybody else. I'd be lost and helpless and on the road to destruction. It starts by preaching that gospel to ourselves. That's how we begin to view people 
with compassion. So Jesus, he looks and he sees this great crowd of people and he views them with compassion. And he knows that many of them are going to come to him eventually and believe in him eventually. That there is going to be a great harvest. That people are going to be gathered into his kingdom. And then he tells his disciples, he gathers his disciples together, his close friends, doesn't he? And he says, pray for more workers. Pray for more people to go and to share the good news of Jesus, of me, with others. Now often in church we use this verse to pray that God will raise up more church workers, don't we? We need more people in, in ministry or evangelism or, or out in the mission field or as pastors, whatever it is. And we turn to this verse and we say we need to pray for this more and more. And certainly that is true. But this prayer that Jesus tells his disciples to pray has and continues to be answered. Whenever Jesus first said this, he only had a handful of followers, didn't he? Twelve of them. And one of them was going to betray him. And the rest of them were far from fantastic followers. He only had a handful. But now, now his kingdom has exploded. It's grown massively. It is millions and millions and millions of people. Philip was talking about your link with EMF, and I think that's, that's fantastic. Europe, where EMF work, obviously, is the only continent in the world where the kingdom of God is not growing particularly fast. Everywhere else, every other continent on earth, the kingdom of God is growing massively and we are part of that if we are followers of Jesus we are the answer to this prayer we are the workers that Jesus encouraged his disciples to pray for let's think about that for a moment or two we are the workers we all have a role to play in this. Our role is to share the good news. What's that good news? You're in dreadful danger. Repent and believe in Jesus. We all have a role to play in sharing that message. Now many of us, oh, the thought of doing that, it fills us with complete and total dread. Doesn't it? Are you telling me that I need to tell somebody about Jesus, yeah. Oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. But we can. But we can. We are the workers. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is what we are supposed to do, to tell others about Jesus. Is that easy? No. It's often really difficult. Massively frustrating, deeply embarrassing, really awkward at times. But this is what we are called to do. Why? Because it's the greatest news of all time. Oh, I, I couldn't do it. 
they get mixed up, they get confused. But you can invite, can't you? You can invite. Would you come with me to church? Would you come with me to this other thing that my church is running? You can do that, can't you? All of us have a role to play. God has placed you in a harvest field. Maybe in that field, there are lots and lots and lots of people. Maybe you come into contact with loads of people every day. Or maybe your harvest field is really quite small. And it's just your family and your immediate friends and maybe some neighbors. That's fine. Wherever God has placed you, he has placed you for a reason. And that reason, what is it? It's to share the good news of Jesus with other people. I will meet people tomorrow that you will never meet. You will never meet them. And equally, tomorrow, you will meet people that I will never, ever meet in my entire life. But all of us are called to do this, to go and to share the good news of Jesus with others, with words and action in a way that is deeply compassionate. Let me tell you a quick story. I know a man, and he used to work in the wholesale industry. Is this, sorry, is this being live streamed? No? Okay, good. Right. <laughs> it's a fellow I know, he's from Iran, and uh, he, he, he used to own a nut wholesaler back in Tehran, okay? And uh, he was selling nuts, obviously, to people, and he had a customer who used to come in all the time and buy huge amounts of nuts for his shop. And this customer always paid him on time. And my friend said that was really unusual. All of my other customers, there was always some reason why they couldn't pay me on time. They always had an excuse. There was always something going on. He always paid me on time. And he also, he always had a chat with me. And there was just something different about him. That's how my friend tells the story. And as they got to know each other, my friend realized that there was something different about this man, something different about his attitude, that he was just different from everybody else he had ever met. So one day, my friend said to him, why are you so different? Why do you always pay me on time? Why do you always ask how I am? Why do you always ask about my family? Why do you care for people? I see you going outside and giving some of your nuts to the poor people. Why, why do you do that? And the man said to him, well, if you're really interested, come and meet me for a cup of coffee. So my friend went and met him for a cup of coffee. And this man, who was buying the nuts, began to tell him about Jesus. Began to tell him about his need for repentance. Began to tell him about the great danger that he was in and his need of rescue by Jesus alone. Cut a long story, very short. That man, who's my friend now, then came eventually to know Jesus as his savior. Why? Because one man lived his life differently from the rest of the people around him. And when he got the opportunity to speak about Jesus, he took it with both hands. 
we are the workers placed in the harvest field to go and to tell others the amazing news that Jesus has come to save us from our sin. And that is why churches exist, isn't it? It's so that we can make Jesus known to the communities that we find ourselves in. And I know that you here in Connor have been praying for us in Grace and Hope Community Church at Carlisle Circus. So I just want to spend a couple of moments just sharing with you what, is, what has been going on over the last uh, number of years. Now, this story starts 12 years ago. 12 years ago. And it starts with a man called Keith Preston who worked for the Irish Mission. He was brought to Belfast because at the time there was an increasing number of refugees and asylum seekers beginning to be placed in Belfast. And it was seen that there was an opportunity to reach out with the gospel to people who were new to the city. So Keith and a few others set up this thing called the International Meeting Point in South Belfast on the Lisbon Road. Teaching English, sharing food with people, and ultimately sharing Jesus with people. And that's now been going for 12 years. But about four years ago, five years ago, it was realized by the people in the international meeting point, hang on, lots of the refugees, asylum seekers no longer live in the South Belfast community. Instead, they are being placed in North Belfast because the accommodation is cheaper. Why don't we do something in North Belfast all these guys are coming to us, but they're having to travel the whole way across the city. Why don't we take international meeting point to them? And after lots of discussions, uh, that's exactly what happened. And North Belfast IMP opened up. It opened up with a charity shop selling babies and toddlers stuff that is going incredibly well. Uh, it's become part of the furniture of the Carlisle Circus community. It's run by a wonderful lady called Francis. So the shop started first of all, and then some English classes started in this, what is the Memorial Hall, the old St. Enix uh, church that used to be at Carlisle Circus that burnt down. This is the last remaining part um, of it, uh, the Memorial Hall. And some English classes began to start in there, um, just teaching people English as a way of building a, a bridge with them, uh, building a bridge into the refugee asylum seeker community. And then a parents and toddlers started up that um, I was at on Friday morning. Friday mornings are busy, aren't they? Um, I was at on Friday morning. It's just an amazing, uh, an amazing parents and toddlers, people from all over the world and local as well, attending that parents and toddlers. So the international meeting point started there in North Belfast four years ago and really began to they expand and to grow and conversations began to happen about Jesus and a Bible study started. And then a question got asked. Whenever people become interested in Jesus through the work at the International Meeting Point, where do they go to church? Where do they go to church? Hmm. There's some churches relatively close by, but not on the doorstep. Where would people go to church? At the same time, West Kirk was in the process of amalgamating with Crumlin Road uh, Presbyterian, which you'll never guess where it is. It's on the Crumlin Road. Um, it was in the process of amalgamating, and that was going to release some 
funds into the West Kirk Kitty. And the West Kirk eldership wanted to see that used for the expansion of God's kingdom. How can we use this money to help expand God's kingdom, to tell more people about Jesus? So international meeting point, they're wondering, where do people go to church? West Kirk are saying, how can we further the mission of the church? And God brought the two things together. And West Kirk had the opportunity to go and plant a new church on the, on the site of the international meeting point at Carlisle Circus. Um, I, I got chosen, uh, press ganked, not really, um, in, deleting, in deleting that. And a group of 20 of us began to meet uh, in about the middle of 2021 just to pray uh, and to discuss what church at Carlisle Circus would look like. So after months of prayer and, and chat and thinking and, and seeking God's face in, in this, uh, in February, 6th of February, 2022, we opened up. We said Grace and Hope Community Church, part of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland, it's a very long name, uh, now exists. If you want to come along, you are more than welcome. And we opened the doors for the first service and I was very confident nobody was going to turn up. Uh, but God is good. And uh, thankfully it's not based on our confidence, which is a great relief. Um, and God faithfully has brought people along week after week after week. And we have been blessed to see people come to know Jesus as Savior. We've been blessed to, to administer baptism both to, both to some of the children uh, here within the congregation and also um, on the profession of faith of people coming to know Jesus um, as well. We're a relatively small congregation, um, you know, but we are, we are growing and it is exciting. We are a very mixed congregation in terms of nationalities. I was having a quick count there. Um, I was trying to work out how many nationalities we had this morning. I think we had 10 different nationalities this morning, um, which is great. It's a real flavor of the kingdom of heaven. Um, and we have just been blessed to see, to see God at work in the community that he has placed us, that he has placed us in. We are very much a testament to the fact that God answers prayer. Um, we have prayed that he would send people and that people would come to know Jesus and we have seen him answer that prayer and that is the big prayer that we continue um, to pray all the time is, is that God would continue to move and continue to save and continue to grow people in the grace and hope um, of Jesus Christ. And we are so thankful to, to people who have partnered with us in prayer um, that God is, God is answering your prayers and we are we are delighted, we are delighted for that, and we are delighted for this link that we have um, with, the international, with the international meeting point and how that is very much the front door um, into Grace and Hope um, Community Church. I know you guys uh, pray for us, and we are so thankful. I also know my time is completely and utterly gone. Um, but if you could continue to pray for us, that would be great. If you could pray these things in particular for us, 
This is what we are praying as a community. And if you could join in these, these community prayers, that would be great. Salvation. We want to see people come to know Jesus. Um, numbers are great. It's lovely when there's more people there, uh, you know, one week than, than was there the week before. That's great. We all get excited about that. Of course we do. It's lovely. But ultimately, we want to see people come to know Jesus. That's the most important thing. You know, the building could be packed and nobody come to know Jesus. And we want to see people come to know Jesus as Savior. So please, please pray for that. Please pray for unity. We are a, a young church. We have just celebrated our first birthday. We are brand new. We are from all over the globe. I mean that literally all over the globe. Um, so every church needs unity. Please pray for that for us in particular. Um, we're a baby and we are learning and we are growing together. So please pray that God will unite us. And he has given us a wonderful sense of unity so far, but we never want to take that for granted. So please continue to pray for unity for us. We're new to the community that we find ourselves in. Um, there hasn't been a church in that community for quite a while. Um, so we are new to that community and we are still working on that community connection. Um, so please pray for us as we find ways to deeply root ourselves into the community. Um, that's not always easy. Um, you know the history of this, of this country. Um, you can imagine the difficulties that there are uh, in that as well. So please just pray for that. Pray for a deep community connection for us. And then finally, leadership. Please pray for us um, as leaders of that, of that small church. Uh, three of us um, are elders. So Westkirk is in charge of Grace and Hope. It is part or Grace and Hope is part of Westkirk, so all the elders are technically elders, but there's three of us who have been set aside to the work um, of Grace and Hope, so myself, a guy called Michael, and a guy called Paddy. Um, if you could just pl pray for the th three of us as we seek to lead this and to lead this well as under-shepherds of, of the great shepherd. Um, yeah, please, please remember us in prayer, and thank you so, so much um, for your prayers. We are facing a great unfinished task aren't we jesus hasn't returned yet and until the moment that he does return we want to push on and we want to keep telling people about jesus we want to reflect some of that um, as we sing together facing a task unfinished